Hello and welcome to Project Monolith. This is episode five and with me today I have a guest called Fly Fisher from the United States. Hello Fly Fisher. So yes, hello to all the good people out there and hello TNG. Hello there Fly Fisher. So tonight we're going to talk about the Bermuda Triangle. We're also going to discuss the advances of technology, the dark ages, energy farming conspiracy, and then we're going to end with the esoteric reading of it. So this is quite a bit of a packed show tonight. Fly Fisher, I'd like to ask you, what are your thoughts on the Bermuda Triangle? As I have a few new ones of late. If you can tell me, what, what do you think the, the Bermuda Triangle is a real thing? Well, just being honest here, it seems like a big hoax to me. However... It is interesting, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. The reason I wanted to stick this in was is, is that I had a text message from my daughter the other day, and she sent me a message saying, is the Bermuda Triangle real? I sent her a message back and said, give me five, ten minutes, <laughs> I'll give you my view on it. And I sat there and thought to myself, well, what, what do I actually know about the Bermuda Triangle? This is something that you know I've heard of all over the years. So I spent about five minutes having a quick look in, and I thought, my God, how can anybody have any kind of thought that this is actually a real thing? It's absolutely crazy. So what I discovered anyway by looking into the Bermuda Triangle for a very brief amount of time, and I'm talking just to, just getting some basic information. So obviously what people believe in general about the Bermuda Triangle is, is that planes and boats you know, go into this area and just disappear all the time. And everybody's avoiding it like the plague because it's obviously, you know, so much going on. And obviously the first thing <laughs> the first thing I thought about Fly Fisher is when I was a kid in the 1970s, there was a movie with a guy in it called Doug McClure. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. He was like a bit of a Bruce Willis of his time. And he did a movie called Warlords of Atlantis. And I think there might have been a, one, a prequel to that or a, and a couple of spin-offs as well. But in this Warlords of Atlantis, what essentially it was, <laughs> it was obviously about the, uh, the, the sunken city of Atlantis. But it was uh, essentially this giant crystal that powered Atlantis that had sunk to the bottom of the sea, which was causing the anomalies in the Bermuda Triangle area. And I thought to myself, you know what, I think I've been holding this in my mind for like 30 or so years, thinking that the Bermuda Triangle has been caused by this giant crystal from Atlantis. Yeah, that's pretty wild. It is pretty wild, but I then had a quick look and, and found two very big facts about the Bermuda Triangle. And I thought it was really interesting. So fact number one I found out was is that there are no more incidents involving boats or planes happening in the Bermuda Triangle or have ever happened that don't happen anywhere else. 
So just to revise what I'm saying, no more ships or planes disappear in the area of the Bermuda Triangle than they do anywhere else in the world. So that's my first one. And the second one, which was even more important, was obviously if you travel anywhere, if you want to take a vessel or a plane or whatever anywhere, what's the one thing that you need? It's insurance. If you want to travel to Antarctica, for example then if you can get permission to go to Antarctica, which is highly doubtful, but if you did, then your insurance premium is going to go through the roof because obviously if you crash or anything else that happens there, then it's going to be extremely difficult to rescue you or or at least salvage the craft or whatever. But apparently the Bermuda Triangle, you can travel freely through that and your insurance premium does not alter one iota. So that tells you everything you need to know about the Bermuda Triangle. What say you, Fly Fisher? Well, I would say that uh, magic crystal must have been removed and, and that's why nobody else is sinking there. But that is it's certainly interesting about the insurance and that would definitely go a long way to kind of indicate to you that they, they don't think it's a great, great threat obviously, or they would uh, require you to have an extremely expensive insurance. Exactly. Insurance is all, all bottom line. They're not, they're not playing around. Exactly. That just, just shows you that the one thing in this world, the, the bankers are completely switched on to the finances. And there's no way, there's no way if anything was going on there, would they not hike your insurance up? So for me, the fact that they don't, and the fact that even if there was a slight glimmer of it being true, then they would hike that insurance up, double the premium straight away, whatever happened. (laughs) So I think we can safely say that the Bermuda Triangle is a hoax. It's not even worth doing an article on, to be honest, or anything like that. It's that it's that obvious yeah that sounds like a pretty blatant hoax to me so i don't know if you want to move on to the other topics that we have the one i suggest with the advance of technology but you yourself brought up this dark ages now to me is i think maybe we ought to talk about the dark ages first before we go into move it into the advance of technology after because obviously let's do it progressive wise so timeline wise so uh, i don't know if you want to give me your your first views on what you think of as the dark ages because obviously history today or the timeline today as we're given the dark ages is obviously part of time that is removed i suppose we could term it as being part of the the library of babel and and when that went down and we lost everything and everything we knew don't know why (laughs) what your first thoughts on the dark ages are yeah the dark ages just in general seem very interesting and intriguing to me now coming up i was always led to believe called the dark ages so this was a time where humanity had lost its way we didn't have efficient technology that people were reverting back to superstitions and that humanity wasn't progressing forward that's what you'd be led to believe but given the construction of the timeline as we now see it it just brings to light well why why do the story makers why do they need to invent the dark ages what purpose what's it serving what purpose is the charade of the dark ages serving and i had some thoughts and ideas on that but just to put it down here according to google the dark ages was about the 14th century according to their timeline and again i just think given how much they've altered the timeline that there's got to be something there what it does make me think of is if for whatever reason their agenda 
there, so we're back to they. If their agenda wasn't being pursued, perhaps labeling this period of time the Dark Ages, is there a way to, to keep people away from, from seeing this time? One explanation, yeah, so again, I just, you can take that line of thinking where you want, but it just seems to me that perhaps maybe that was a time when a power faction such as the church or some other dominant group had more power and influence, and then the the winning team, that is the winning team that's currently writing the history, they're trying to kind of write that period off and by calling it the Dark Ages, I mean, what's in a word, right? Well, everything's in a word. We know that. And for them to call it the Dark Ages, it does seem like they are purposely trying to obscure something. So my suspicion is that perhaps this is a time when, for whatever reason, their agenda wasn't being pursued. What do you say about that? Well, I'm kind of a bit, we say, a little bit confused there, actually, from what you've dug up from bring, just looking on Wiki and coming with the 14th century, because I was always under the impression that the Dark Ages was, was a little bit further back than that. I, I always used to hold the idea that it was like the time period after the Roman, supposedly after the Roman Empire. So really when, you know, it, like the fall of Rome and, and then everything kind of went into a bit of chaos and took a lot of time for power structures to come back in place and fill the void of the of the roman empire so so you saying about the 14th century i mean obviously this is well after the romans disappeared and we're almost into the the renaissance period and hey i i got my fake timeline wrong here it is actually the 500 ad to uh 1100 right that's what ad apparently yeah that's now that's that's what i thought <laughs> that's what i thought so i don't know what so 500 to 800 ad that makes more sense so yeah maybe i had found the 14th century maybe that was the time of the black plague and maybe i had gotten the two mixed up that's uh the, definitely entirely the, the black death i think we leave that one that particular discussion for another day but that's a quite an, in, an interesting topic in itself what that means so uh yeah that's good so yeah that 500 to 800 ad so obviously the roman empire was was kind of crumbling in that you know in the first well into the ad realm as it were so uh john Lebon and myself were talking about volcanoes a few weeks ago and it was the old roman event pompeii right yeah, Pompeii, yeah, which was what just 100 to 200 AD, somewhere like that, brought up old Pliny the Elder. He's was one of my characters that I cracked for the history oaks. But yeah, so that, that's kind of like the fall to the Roman Empire, and then everything obviously just falls into complete pandemonium. However, obviously we know now that the Roman Empire is, was an absolute load of rubbish, and the only reason the Roman Empire was probably ever created was to hold up the authority of the Vatican today for me that's why the the whole roman empire and as well obviously the court system as well is obviously supposedly all based on on the roman empire work the whole civilization and everything else is it all a society but i think it is only there to to give validation to the vatican and the power they have today going back to the dark ages it's it's kind of strange isn't it because it was it that dark because we have got records from them times haven't we supposedly <laughs> how do you see this playing into technology because the other thing for me is is obviously you think of the dark ages and this always brings up the thought of the golden age as well 
So you have the great golden age going back, talking of Atlantis and places like this. So we had a great, wonderful, peace-loving civilization that collapsed and then it turned into the rabble we have today, basically. And it's still going on. I mean, for me, we're still in the dark ages, I think, but there you go. Yeah, so what this reminds me of is there is a community here in the United States. It's the, the Amish community, and they're a very farm-like people. They have these farms on great stretches of land out in the country, and they basically run a parallel society to what's run over here. So perhaps it's around that, that time that some of these groups, these other groups like the Amish, said, well, hey, hey, we see where you're going with that. No thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. We don't want any part in it. I'd be very fascinated to learn a little bit more history about about the Amish and, and why they actually decided to kind of split and, and set up their own show. So, yeah, I, I'd have to, to kind of confer with that. We're talking about right after the fall of Rome. And but again, why why invent the narrative of the Dark Ages? Couldn't they? These are all fake timelines. They could have very well just said no, the Roman Empire existed up till this point. Again, there's some hinky business going on here for sure. Just seems like they're trying to cover up time or give you an explanation like these were uneducated. These were the dark ages when humanity was doing very poorly, all that sort of thing. And if I could just read here, this is Wikipedia. It says the dark ages is a historical Periodization traditionally referring to the Middle Ages that asserts that a demographic, cultural, and economic deterioration occurred in Western Europe following the decline of the Roman Empire. That's exactly how I held it in my mind, what it implies. But I think what it gives credence to is, I know I mentioned earlier about the Vatican, that it gives power to the Vatican, as in they're the inheritors of the Roman Empire and what have you. But I think it also puts an emphasis on the civilization we have today, kind of saying, well, look at us, look how great we are. We've evolved from this terrible time of confusion and you know, loss of technology and everything else. And we went backwards, but now we've come forwards and now we're even greater than the Romans ever were. And Absolutely. It's, it's just one big myth-building exercise, isn't it? Yeah, and the, and the other thing I think we have to understand as well is, is even though it's pretty obvious that these historians from the 1800s and whatever have started the myth building. So somebody seeded the Roman Empire and seeded a lot of these characters like Plato and to the, the Greek, the ancient Greeks and going back. But the trouble even that it's only so much control that they have over. So whatever they seed, whoever seeds a character or seeds a civilization, it then kind of takes on its own natural growth. So you have the other academics and historians building on that because they put their own commentary, don't they, in, into their own first story. And then it flowers and grows and grows and the timeline kind of grows. And, you know, and it's and it's like an almost like an uncontrollable growth of fiction. Basically, so it kind of blurs, doesn't it? It kind of blurs the stories. And I suppose it, there comes a point in part because you have, if you notice when you look at the timeline for what it is, then you have all these civilizations and characters and what have you. And they kind of, you get some crossover. And obviously, yeah, you've got some part, maybe something going on in China at the same time as going on in Rome. But there's kind of like, gaps well not gaps sorry like um like road cones basically or blocks 
yeah stopping stopping the um that that civilization going any further or whatever so you know what i'm saying yeah i don't think it's it, yeah you're right that somebody has obviously seeded this for whatever whatever purpose that dark ages myth has been seeded but it's kind of been hemmed in and the the story of it and the story of the Rome and the story of everything after it, it kind of flowers out by these historians just adding their own commentary and adding their little bits to it and making the myth grow and grow and grow. And uh, you, you kind of lose, it's probably lost the original intention, to be honest, for, for whatever it was seeded for in the first place. I, I think that's kind of a bit, I think that's why why when you look back at a lot of this stuff, it's hard to interpret because it, they uh, they don't half expand with a lot of bullshit. They really do. You know, when you look at things like uh, Troy and the Trojan Wars and how, and how that was expanded on, it's it's just crazy. It really is crazy. So, you know, and it's, you're ended up in a big, should we say, a, a lot of speculation. Yeah. I, or what it's all supposed to be about. Yeah, no, absolutely. That That's fantastic. I, I'd agree with, with all of that. I mean, it's, it's like you said, they are now elaborating on these faulty premises, these, these make-believe stories, and now you can get degrees in the make-believe stories, so now you can be a PhD doctor teaching their stories. It, it's just a big self-referential circle because from what i know it does seem like as you kind of stated that all of these sources will just refer to one another and in that sense it's just self-referential because they're just citing the guy before who's citing the guy before and as you and uh, jlb have pretty well noted there's just no primary sources very interesting to see the patchwork in in the whole thing and it ultimately it doesn't seem to build up to too much of a, a timeline anyways it does just seem every day it pretty much just grows longer the history gets more elaborate more patchwork is added to the to the story onto the faulty premises and it's at this point you know it it's hard for them to to keep all the bullshit straight what i was gonna say fly fisher was just come just touch on the amish again yeah are you aware do the amish have birth certificates by any chance do you know this if, if this is a thing i don't know it for a fact but i i suspect that they don't i also suspect that they don't use electricity or if they do they use it in very limited ways because they have this like deep-seated superstition about electricity and that kind of in itself fascinates me greatly why this seemingly it's a it's a very complex community. It is a big community in parts of the U.S. as well, and they're relatively successful. The Amish-run businesses and all sorts of stuff. So by no means are these backwards people. These are sophisticated people with with culture. Um, but they've seemingly outright refused uh, technology, and specifically, it's something about electricity, which does bring us to the to the technology uh, part of the discussion here. But I find that very very fascinating that they would reject the modern electronics and and specifically electricity because it does seem like from what i know about them I, I still live in a community near near the amish from my understanding they uh, again they're completely against technology completely against electricity and then just to touch on your point i absolutely believe that they do not have birth certificates i think they are completely parallel to the to the main society here in the u.s which again, it's also interesting because it seems like at some point they opted out 
right? The Amish were able to opt out of this system. And they, they have land. Again, they run businesses. They have very effective farms in the country. So this is a thriving community. Again, it just seems like at some point in the past, they were able to opt out of the current system that, that we have. And they were allowed, for whatever reason, to flower their culture and to build their, their communities uh, while not having to accept the technology and some of the other burdens that come along with our modern society. So I find that endlessly fascinating. The reason I mentioned the birth certificates is because in Europe, in the UK, in Ireland as well, and I don't know if they are in the United States, but we have uh, what was what's known as the gypsies or the tinkers. So the travellers, they're given, there's all different names for them. But um, this is big groups of people that travel all over that they don't have no fixed homes none of them have birth certificates they all usually of irish descent as well a lot of them are but there's even today even though some of them have kind of blended into the communities and took on social housing and stuff like this there's many of them today who who still don't have birth certificates they still yeah, well, they do use the technology and, and things like this now, but there was a time when these people, you know, they're called the travellers because they just, you know, didn't want any part of the system. So that very similar to the Amish in the United States. There obviously are obviously maybe more people than we know around the world that are, that are doing this kind of thing, which is very interesting. And, and what's very interesting to me is you're mentioning the electric or the electricity, because even now we don't really know what electricity is. We can't explain. We're told about electrons traveling through the wires and whatever and whatever else. But again, this is just going back to this old Bohr model nonsense, which is what it is. It is absolute nonsense of atoms and everything else. So, you know, what is electricity? What is it? What? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to throw a wet blanket on on this and, and bring in some superstition, but um believe lucifer is referred to as as coming down in thunderbolts or something to that effect so seems to me that perhaps electricity is the devil perhaps the amish are right well that's interesting what was it i um <laughs> let's have a look here while i while i've got because i actually when I, one of my videos i included lucifer in one of my recent videos not the last one it was the one before but in the definitions for it's fine. Take your time. I, I got some really interesting stuff I just pulled up here while I'm talking to you. So the Amish do not believe in insurance. They believe that it would go against a belief in God's will. They additionally, they continue to continue to use a horse and buggy, which is, again, very interesting. They don't use smoke alarms either, which kind of go into this this thing about them not wanting to use modern technology. They, they don't even use fire alarms, uh, apparently, or, or smoke alarms which is very interesting. And then they, it goes on, they do not have to have birth certificates or social security cards, which, you know, hey, how did they get the option to opt out of this TNG? What, what's going on? Where's my application to opt out? I never got one of those. How do they own land as well? How do they own land without having the birth certificate or the, that, that is strange. How do they contract to own the land? Yeah. And again, they're very successful. There are parts of the U.S. where they're extremely successful. So, yeah, I, I mean, when did they get this option to opt out of the system? 
honestly, and I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that conversation. Hey guys, we're going to start using technology and all these modern machines and stuff. You guys want to come along? Uh, no, that's all right. Thanks anyways. Electricity is the devil. <laughs> just just to be a, a fly on the wall for that. Well, I, I think that, that there actually are onto something there with electricity because there's, there's definitely something, something up with it. But where Lucifer comes into electricity, I'm not 100% sure. But what I did see, so the definition of Lucifer, there's three parts of the definition. The first one is Lucifer's used as the name of the devil. The second one is obviously the old planet Venus appearing as the morning star. But the third one, the third definition for Lucifer is a friction match. Really? And it's an active substance. Yeah, an active substance of antimony sulfide and potassium chlorate, which essentially is a green powder, which is a fuel used in compositions, white star compositions, it says, as a base. And it can be made at home fusing a stoichiometric mixture of antimony, metal and sulfur. So essentially, it's kind of like a bit of gunpowder, really, isn't it? But Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where that how the devil or Lucifer fits in <laughs> fits into the electricity thing, but the the definition of, of Lucifer being um, a friction match is uh, it's quite interesting. And <laughs> how that fits into anything, I, I really I know struggling to to know. TNG, he's he's the light bringer, right? Well, that that exactly, yeah, you're striking a match and bringing the light to the dark. It's all very interesting, isn't it? At, at this. Uh... Isn't it funny how one thing can have so many definitions? It really is. It's almost like it's just confused on purpose. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's in, when you look at, like, Venus as well. So, you know, it's a planet, but it's a god. There's so many, so many different things at play all the time. It's crazy, isn't it? What does Venus, was it? It means victory, fertility, and even prostitution. Well, <laughs> This kind of goes to one of the things I was hoping to touch on later, but it's just this like standard kind of archetype. And especially if you go poking around any like Masonic leaning books or, or any of their literature and this type of stuff, you'll come across these archetypes where, and I'll just give you one off the top of my head, like the Demiurge, right? That's something that comes up in, in the occult, I should say, at the very least. This concept of the Demiurge and, and the Demiurge kind of being connected to the Yahweh God and some of these old Abrahamic gods. But And again, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but it's something along the lines of, well, the Demiurge was the the malevolent god was the the wrathful god he's wrathful compared to greater god that that's above the demiurge so just to your point when you go poking around their writings and, and i've haven't read a whole lot but i've read some of it you'll get these incredibly intricate ideas and concepts and archetypes surrounding characters and it's like you said venus having the multiple meanings i mean even just going to saturn we know how that kind of plays into it i think saturn's the one with the like hexagon on the top of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then regarding the rings of of saturn and you can just go into so much about the symbolism and that kind of brings us to meme magic right which is you know these symbols these ideas you know can be expressed in a, in a physical representation but they stand for for so much more. And it's incredibly fascinating. And again, when you poke around these Masonic writings, they have these intricate, real long, intricate descriptions of how this demiurge can be six different things at one time. 
and it's it's different depending on who's looking at it and it, it's just all very very fascinating it is but and and i think dipey dipey hit on this not long ago about the fact that all, all of these religious type themes and characters i mean we now know after doing more research and work into well it might so i'm doing breaking religion on my on my site and obviously looked just looked into the muslim religion i've already looked into the new testament and i haven't released my stuff on that john Lebon's already done the bible himself anyway um, for, but what we can see is, is all these religions were kind of brought about in the 1800s so from about the middle of the 1800s on was when all these religious books came out and obviously part of that is the Gnostic religion as well. And obviously a lot of the Gnostic texts, I think they weren't found until the early 1900s, something like that. So they've kind of built on the Bible and the writings there. So it's kind of what Dipey was saying is, is that you have, you have, so you have the, you know, the Christian belief for, for one set of people and they're taking their interpretations from it. But then you have like the Gnostic version of, of reality for people who are maybe a bit more spiritual. Essentially, they're all playing in one into the other. And it really is like a bit of a rabbit hole for everybody just to, you could spend your whole lifetime and people do, don't they, digging into the Bible itself. They do. So, and I think it's just, it's just been, it has been done on purpose, to be honest. Whoever, whoever started this stuff off created a right rabbit hole or field of, I don't know what, what you want to call it. Just, it's just so complex. And I think you, you could end up digging for your whole life and never answer. So uh, while there's some amazing themes with the, the Demiurge and, and the Gnostic stuff, at the end of the day, I think, you know, you, you can take away what you want and take away your surface things but i think the whole lot of it all of it is one big smokescreen the same as science and history and everything else i think the whole lot of it is just one big hoax to be fair and i, and I think it is i really do and i know people will say there's truth you know there's still truth in there or well maybe there is some truth in there but it kind of i think it's taken us away from what's really happened and what's really going on and the same if we go back to the dark ages again as well is you know is is the hot that whole theme it's, it's kind of still putting into play and putting into everybody's minds that we were here and you know, in my mind, okay, maybe there was a reset. Maybe there was something back just before the 1800s that something happened. But to me, I, I still, I'm leaning strongly on the, the side of that we weren't just, we just weren't here. Whether there was somebody else here, I, I'm strongly starting to think that we just, the human race wasn't here and we've just been plunked here very recently. So I don't know what where, where you want to go with the dark ages from that. No, that that's actually incredibly interesting and had a couple things I would bring up. So you touched on how the system, which I guess we could just dub the lie system to kind of encompass it all. But it's incredibly complex. It really is. So you've got to hand it to the storytellers because they really knew what uh, what buttons to push. And they're very good at that. So call it black magic, call it the occult, whatever you want. These individuals were highly skilled at manipulating humans, especially at manipulating their emotions. And what's been done, essentially, as you kind of just uh, just stated, is that they've given an avenue for everyone, right? You got the the Muslim faith for the Middle East. Here you, for uh, for North America, you have Christianity, all this sort of thing. So they just knew 
they knew enough to put it out there so that they were satisfying basically everybody's tastes, every walk of life. And what it reminds me of, TNG, and I, I hope I'm not getting this incorrect, but at least from stories that I've heard, I've never confirmed it myself personally, but from stories I've heard, when the Roswell incident occurred, right, that is the UFO crash in Nevada at Area 51. Reportedly, the first day it occurred, they printed a newspaper that said flying saucer captured. Then the following day, they printed another, you know, new headline that said Army weather balloon crashed. So what they're doing just in that short period of time is they're giving they're giving the conspirators fuel for them to have these endless debates on whether whether or not a real flying saucer crashed there. And then they're given they're given a, a headline for the normies. You know, here you go, normies. No, nothing happened. Nothing to be suspicious about. Look, they printed a correction the day after telling you it was a weather balloon. Of course it was a weather balloon. So you see my point that they're kind of playing to both parties? Yeah, which is exactly what's going on with the Bible and everything else. So it is, it, it's just propaganda, isn't it? Propaganda for the masses. And obviously the masses are, whether whether they're NPCs or not, they're all still individuals and they still, still all have different tastes that have to be catered for. But it's interesting you bring up that Roswell the Roswell example, because I always remember reading through the uh, some of the Tavistock Institute information, and they clearly claim that it was them that seeded seeded this that event, and also the uh, the, the information on on greys and aliens. So especially just alien alien races as a whole was seeded by the Tavistock Institute. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah, social manipulation right there. Uh, I mean, in black and white. It really is, isn't it? You wanted to carry that through from the dark ages into the technology. Where was you, What was you thinking of there then? Yeah, so what I could do just to touch on technology is talk about this. I read a really interesting book. It's called something like the 432 Hertz Conspiracy. It's about like the tuning and I'm going to get some of my facts here wrong. I'm just trying to give you the broad so strokes of, of what this this idea is encompassing. So it's a very interesting book. It, it refers to like the standard tuning that international orchestras would would tune their instruments to or something to that effect. The frequency tuning or the hertz that they are tuning their equipment to right? Mus musical equipment. So what I gleaned from from the book I read was that essentially right at the turn of of world war ii it was a very high up british official and a very high up a very high up official in the nazi regime that actually cemented these plans and had the 440 hertz adopted as the international standard now what some of these more recent scientists that work with water tell you is that when you play the 432 hertz through water because it's sound it has vibration so it's going to vibrate and make a pattern in the water right that when you play the 432 hertz it gives you a nice elegant pattern 
However, when you play the 440 hertz, you're scrambling the pattern, basically, and you get a very disorganized, very disheveled-looking pattern. And they play this off of, like, think about snowflakes. Snowflakes come down looking beautiful and crisp, and they're very symmetric. And the idea here is that when the 440 hertz is applied to that, that it completely disrupts it. So having this established as the international standard that music is tuned to had a very large, well, what the author was trying to insinuate was a very large impact on, on the course of humanity. This vibration, this tuning, apparently will set people in an agitated state. So it's almost like, you know, they say when you watch TV, you go into like an alpha state, that type of thing. Well, this is like the musical equivalent of that. And I hope I'm doing a decent job trying to ex explain the theory behind this. I think you've got it pretty much nailed, to be honest. I have looked into this and, and read about this, and, and I've also heard a number of people, I think Crow777 was another one who brought this up a couple of times as well on some of his shows. I mean, well, going into the water as well, I mean, that's an, another avenue again with, the, with when they freeze the, um, the water and look at the crystals. And obviously, that without even pushing the the frequency aside, just words in themselves. If you're using positive or a negative word, or like you know, use love or hate or whatever you want to do, when you freeze the water after it's been pounded with this sound, you're going to get either, like you say, some beautiful snowflakes for love or whatever, and and then you're going to get like you know what looks like i don't know looks like, <laughs> looks like the biggest mishmash and horrible disgusting sight you've ever seen from something negative yeah and from what i read and what you said about then about you know the, so you've got the alpha state from the tv and you've also got the other effect from the music coming through the tv at the same time what i heard was what they made a big play of was is that, that it also raises so any song with the altered frequency now so with the frequency we have today it invokes much more emotion from a person than it ever did before so you know there's so many things and, and so many so many avenues to go into here so obviously when you're saying at the end of world war ii Obviously, the, the TV technology was just being put into place. They were using it for radars and, and all this kind of thing. You know, and this this is, again, it's like it's like a plan, isn't it? It's like a plan put into place. So combining the TV technology and, and the, the different frequency for the sounds into a one unit was obviously, you know, obviously intentional without doubt. It has to be. Obviously, they had radio before the war and what have you, but I suppose it, it was just that they knew that this TV technology was coming in and, and how pervasive it was going to be. God, I'm using that, the bad word again, aren't I? I'm using they, the they, <laughs> the, Ill the Illuminati. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we both are. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's the evil elite. You can't help yourself, can you? You really can't. But it, it clearly was was a planned thing. It, it has to be. There's no there's no coincidences in this in this place. There really isn't. You know, there's from what we're seeing, there's more meaningful coincidences going on now than than just coincidences. So this was certainly a meaningful coincidence. It would absolutely seem like a very very meaningful coincidence. And again, this all could be complete hogwash, but. From what I've read, at the very least, that it's an interesting notion. And as you said, pair this with the advent of TV. And of course, TV has been called the greatest brainwashing tool ever invented. And we've all seen in our lives how people 
become hypnotized by the TV. I mentioned on the call with JLB that I once accused a sibling of mine of taking the TV side over mine on some ridiculous hoax that I was trying to trying to pass his way or at least get him to think about. And uh, he completely took the side of the TV. But that's a side note. Again, we just see that the advent of the tuning for the 432 versus the 440 coupled with the at the advent the coming advent of t television a and then you have reportedly you have nazis collaborating with the british and i mean if anybody doesn't think world war ii is a hoax well there you go I, I mean the two sides are clearly working together if this story is indeed true and i'd also just bring up this a little touchy and i'll try to be brief as i as i cover uh, what i'm about to say because i i do want to go somewhere else with this 440 hertz because i have a very funny antidote uh, about it that i'd like to share but uh, just getting back to this, I mean, just imagine how much Hitler was appearing on TV. I, I mean, that guy was a star from the old reels and stuff I've seen. I mean, that guy was like a made-for-TV made character, it would seem. They have him on the video playing with dogs and how Hitler and the troops and all kinds of, you know, craziness. So he's like the, the Charlie Chaplin. This guy seemed like a made-for-TV character. Just, just interject in there, Fly Fisher. I mean, you, you said that they changed this frequency over at the end of the war. Do, do you know if the Nazis were using the updated frequency during their term, should we say? So when Hitler was doing his speeches, were they using the the broadcasting at the new frequency? Because I wouldn't, I'd be very surprised if they weren't, to be honest. Because obviously, you know, Hitler used to invoke absolute emotion and everything from the from the Germans, from from what you can see from when he's given the speeches. So I'd be very surprised if they hadn't, you know, if they weren't using that then. So prior to nineteen forty five, before the end of the war, yeah, because obviously a lot of his speeches, yeah, his lot of his speeches were done, you know, prior, you know, not before nineteen thirty nine, you know, when he was when he was in power and you know building up the the army supposedly and everything else. That'd be an interesting one to look into actually to see if they, you know, if it can you can find any information on on that one. That that's uh, that's got my uh, it, that's got me intrigued. That as fly fisher, you brought someone up pretty good here. I like this. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. You gotta gotta see if you can can find out whether that was indeed the case. From what I read, it just sounded like there was a very kind of fanatical, you know, member of that party that was pursuing this and and uh, advised that the the Nazi administration bring it on um so it, at least that's it was some character again a conductor or something to that effect who who fervently pursued it and pushed it and it was this guy who then collaborated with the british high official to make this an international standard and i i do believe this this fanatical gentleman who pushed it in the nazi administration had been trying to do it for years prior i believe i'm getting that part of the story correct yeah, I know there had been attempts to to establish it as the international standard, but it got shot down. But yeah, it'd be very interesting to learn if if for the speeches that Hitler was giving, if indeed it was broadcasted using that frequency. Because as you stated, he was invoking serious emotion from people. And it seems like this is that frequency. It's almost like a dog whistle. You have those silent dog whistles. When you blow it, you know, you set the dog all agitated. Kind of seems like it's the equivalent for humans. Yeah, I'd, I'd totally, totally with you on this one. Because, uh, you know, it, it's one thing 
knowing that maybe it, the whole both World War One and World War Two were staged events, and you know we know that the troops were moved about, and as Dape, you could testify in this <laughs> when he was going about that Adam digging tunnels in Jersey and whatever to keep them busy and and all this kind of thing. But at the end of the day, they obviously still used the politics and the speeches and everything else to rouse everybody up and get them motivated to sign up or go to war, as it were. So it would be very interesting to find out if this was the case with this frequency. So when they when they were broadcasting, sorry, not so much obviously Hitler's actual words but the music they were playing behind him because obviously he used to uh, be into the viking stuff didn't he into the ride of the valkyries and all this kind of music right so you could always you can always hear him playing all that in the background to when he's doing the speeches and things so you can bet your ass yeah that that music was recorded at the, at the new frequency can't you it's pretty obvious it's pretty obvious now thinking about it so I was, uh, <laughs> this is brilliant stuff this is mate it really is <laughs> this is great yeah this whole saga is is very interesting to me and again i only know as much as i've looked into it so again for all i know it could be a giant story but having having looked into it a bit it it seems seems somewhat substantial at least and i'll just go back to hitler is this made for tv character he's the first guy they're putting on the the new televisions that are being rolled out and brought into people's homes and and of course it took time for the tvs to become become that widely available but the advent of tvs was a big big event obviously people were gathering on the streets to look at it from the storefront windows and all that sort of thing so just seems like this was their 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 time of action and i i keep doing it they whoever helped to set this about knew the signet seemed to know the significance of this and the the potential effects that it could have on humanity at large and especially for for the regime like you said get people fired up get get the troops uh all roaring and and that sort of thing get them all riled up so it'd be very interesting to know unfortunately the, the information that i was uh that i had for this the the content i was looking at didn't actually specify whether he had indeed used it for those speeches but it was for sure reportedly it was one of his you know one of the lackeys in that uh, that administration that that helped to set this thing as an international standard so very very interesting stuff and then in relation to this, here's my personal antidote about this. So as I'm reading this book into, into this whole 432, 440 Hertz conspiracy, it touches on a, a really interesting fact about life in like small town USA, which is around that time, there was, uh, there was some titan of industry who was like a conductor. He was very influential in the music industry, what could be considered the music industry at that time, like making steel trombones and steel flutes and this type of thing. Well, this individual made it his personal objective to see that all around the USA, that bells, giant, giant church bells were set, were made and set to this frequency. And then these bells were systematically brought throughout the entirety of the U.S. and brought into these small towns. And again, the personal antidote is in the town that I grew up in, there was one of these bells. Just 
that really struck me because the bell would go off, you know, several times a day. It was set to occur at certain times. And then to read this, that there was some titan of industry who is fanatically pushing the adoption of these bells tuned at the new frequency. Just very, very interesting. And then to know that there was an, actually one of these bells in my hometown, it was very, very interesting to learn, to say the least. What, what do you make of it? Well, it, it just shows to me that you just have so many layers, layer after layer after layer of programming. And there's just so many things that, that you come across over the years and you think, well, is there, there's no end to this stuff, is there? They, they really did have it sewn up and do have it sewn up, don't they? There's there's absolutely, where, where, where does this all go? It's absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, I, I'm totally, totally with you on this, uh, on this bell thing. There's no denying that this is a thing anyway. I mean, how many musicians who are related to the alternative conspiracy realm and stuff like this that are actually playing their instruments and whatever now using the old frequency? So even, I think, believe David Icke's son himself, Gareth Icke, so he's, he does a lot of, he plays a, a guitar, I think, and has his own band. I actually saw him in concert at David I venue one time. So he, even he, he sets all his, uh, all his instruments are set at the old frequency. So it's not like, yeah, this is, this is, you know, this is not a, this is a quite a known thing. So there's a number of people that do this, so set it to the old frequency. Yeah. So it's quite intriguing. I mean, even on you, you go onto YouTube and you can put this in, can't you, to, to get music that's set at the old frequency, not, you know, not the new. And I'm sure you know, it's like meditation music. The 432 hertz is like yeah. meditation, relax music. It's the music people use to go to sleep and stuff. So yeah, beyond fascinating and kind of goes what you goes to what you had mentioned earlier about words themselves have an impact right it would seem that words themselves have a a non-physical aspect to them at the very least we know that it has a vibratory effect in the real physical world but it would seem that it has words have like a metaphysical impact as well um and that's kind of demonstrated through these water pattern tests and that sort of thing so incredibly interesting for sure it goes to the power of language itself and I would just reference this whole thing concerns control. It just seems to be about control fundamentally, about controlling humans. And there's no denying that essentially what governments are, it's like a tax farm. Pay your taxes, you pay your dole, satisfied, and, and they'll, they'll be on their merry way. But if you, forget, if you forget to pay your taxes, you know, they're the first ones banging down your door. And it seems to me that there's not any area of this globe that you can go to where you're not, where you can't be cattle, where you can get off the tax farm range, so to speak, uh, maybe beside the Amish, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there are, was it, I think Dave Jay is, um, well, he lives in the Philippines, doesn't he, sometimes? So he's, I think he was saying that, that a, lot of, a lot of that is still quite untouched or has been, it's catching up rather fast now but uh, it's taking on the technology and people are starting to get electricity into the homes and all this kind of thing but up to you know up, even up to present day a lot of it is like the Amish they just don't you know they've had their own wells for the water and not had the technology at all so uh, you're right in saying where you know wherever you go most of the world is is caught in this big net 
but there are still some pockets. But in the end, it looks like there will be nowhere. There won't be any escape from it because even the Amish, the, the Amish, they might not want to use the electricity and whatever themselves. But believe me, they're going to have 5G towers <laughs> sitting outside their houses soon. That's right. No escape. None. Yeah, I just happened to be like out in the wilderness the other day and looking at the nice, serene, beautiful outdoors. And sure enough, right above the towering trees was one of those really ugly 4G towers or whatever those uh, those towers are supposed to be. So y- you're right. You know, the dragnet is uh, pretty much all encompassing. It really does seem like there's no there's no part of the globe or, or realm that we're in that has not been in somewhat in in some way shape or form impacted by by technology well it's it's kind of crazy to me i mean again i I go back to my last video that i did for youtube and i I called it a a synthetic reality but in that i was referring to the system and the, the structures of everything that's in place and also the thoughts of of the people so in other words science science itself is synthetic it's not real it's it's com- it's a complete construction so a synthetic reality but when you think about it again taking a step back with this these networks that they're putting in and with the 5g network going in you know which is well underway now you, you think well <laughs> we've got we've gone from one stage to the next with this whole synthetic thing where where is this taking it where, where is it going this is why we wanted to talk touch on to the advance of technology and, and you know where, where is this all heading because we, we're living in an we're living in an artificial world of the way i see it whether it's for your mind created for your mind is artificial whether it's actual reality itself walking outside now you, every everything is just it's just one big it's just fake a lot of it there's nothing natural left yeah and just to go on what you asked like where is it heading that's tng that's where i see it heading i see it heading in the the direction where Everything is under control. The natural world has kind of been pushed to the side and and humans live and ex- exist within a, an entirely artificial realm. I think they're well on their way to scrubbing out whatever remnant of the natural world is left. Well, does this play in? I mean, we, you have the Matrix movie, yeah, and, and everybody's basically a battery in a tank, plugged into a tank. And everybody's saying, well, this is an analogy for the world and and, and all this kind of thing. It, it's only saying you're getting unplugged and re- realising the truth of what's going on. But it, actually, the Matrix actually showing you exactly where we are actually heading and where we're actually wanting to, where they want us to be is in the tank. <laughs> and then and then they're direct, <laughs> directly pulling whatever energy they want to suck out of you. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't have to worry about you worrying about your your location because you're all fixed and <laughs> they can just suck it directly from you whenever they want yeah but, uh, <laughs> is this where we're going is this where we're going mate I, I, it's uh it's crazy maybe a few years off yet but wow this has been take no gnosis and it is goodbye for now